This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide our our listeners some really good facts, some real statistics about our local market. What's happening in New Jersey might be different than here. Um, And one of the strengths that this show has is that we have a different guest every week and we have quite a few different players of the game that can come in and share their expertise and more importantly, their experience. And that's exactly who we have today. We have Patrick Connor, president of London Properties. Good morning. Good morning, Don. Thank you for coming down. And not only do you, you're going to have a very interesting perspective because London Properties has how many branches around the valley? Uh, we have 10 offices that service, I guess, about a 110-mile corridor. So Hanford, the Tulare Market, uh, up to Merced and Atwater, and then some surrounding communities. But offices, Hanford, up to Atwater. But I usually see your car parked in Fresno. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at, at, all, at all hours, too. So you must be a hard-working guy. <laughs> Well, uh, as you know, um, we have an opportunity to work a, a lot of different hours in our industry. So. <laughs> well, wait a minute. When I got into real estate, they, they said I had the opportunity not to work so much. <laughs> yeah, we always joke. We say, hey, it's, it's whatever 80 hours a week you want, right? You've got exactly. the, free, you got the yeah. freedom. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But you're not only the president of London Properties, which is a sales property sales organization, but also Royal Charter Mortgage and Port Royal Insurance. Correct. All right. So what I'm telling the listeners is you have a lot of experience to bring to the table today. In fact, we're probably going to talk about that a little later on. Uh, Obtaining insurance is not the easiest thing to do right now. No, it's not. Um, Obtaining a mortgage. I'm going to say this, you can disagree, but I think it's a little easier now than what it used to be. Yes. Yeah, I think we've, the the climate, right? Everybody's gotten used to the water, I think. Oh, you know, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. um, Actually, that's a very good way to put it because let's say in 2009 and 10, things were changing. They were, uh, everything was brand new. The, uh, lenders had really tightened the water spigot right they, they weren't going to let loans flow as easily as they did in 2006 and 7 nor should they right <laughs> right yeah right yeah you get to to buy a home you got to put something into it yes yeah. skin in the game that's right all right i'm gonna throw some statistics out there i'd like to get your take on it and um don't forget, I'm a practitioner too, so you can always say, well, gee, Don, what do you think? And be different than what my kids are, because you know they don't say, hey, what do you think? Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, as of just the other day when I ran these statistics, in Fresno County, and the reason I do Fresno County is it's the most 
consistent because we also have Kings County, multiple listing service, uh, Tulare County, Mariposa, um, uh, Madera. So not in those surrounding counties, much of what they do comes into our Fresno MLS, but not all of it. Yeah, and I think that that's a, a really good point because I'm familiar with the different MLSs given the footprint of our offices. But I do think that the overall Fresno market is a real good snapshot of all the communities because they all range a little bit in uh, price point, right? Uh, and, um, and Fresno County has a little bit of all those price points. So what we typically see in Merced or uh, Chowchilla, right? We'll still have some of that, you know, those same market dynamics here in Fresno. It's always a really consistent snapshot. All right. Excellent. Now, we have over 1,000 active listings as of a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, that is up a little bit from the low that we experienced, but still it's down from what's normal. So what, what do you see out there, Patrick? Well, inventory, um, it, it is up from... Um, I like to look at different ranges. So from two years ago, we are up about 40 to 44% in inventory from two years ago. And then you stop, you say, well, what was happening two years ago, right? And as you know, Don, we've had a a very interesting market the last three and a half years with uh, almost four years, right, uh, with COVID and the pandemic. And we did not have the traditional uh, seasonality to our market that we have grown accustomed to over the years where inventory would spike in the spring, carry through in summer, and then start to trickle down again, right? All that was thrown out the window. And um, I think we have um, are starting to experience more of our uh, typical seasonality to it. So we do have a little bit more inventory on the market uh, right now uh, uh, than we have had. All right, so that's good news for buyers. Yes, 100%. Yeah, because right. just a couple of years ago, let's go back to 2021, it was tough for a buyer. But tell, what was it like for a buyer out then, back then? Oh, and in 21? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're talking multiple offers, right? And having to go above asking price, right, to uh, consider the property and then other concessions as well. Uh, that we're still seeing some, which uh, might be things like the seller being able to occupy the home, right, for a couple weeks or 30 days, right, whatever's negotiated, but um, uh, for free. Um, anything to sweeten the deal. Mm-hmm. And maybe even a Visa gift card. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> whatever could make the seller take notice that, hey, of these 10 offers, we're the best one. Right, right. Well, then interest rates went up and that knocked out many of those 10 people. But there's still at least one for every home. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, well-priced homes, homes that are, are, are priced to the market are receiving multiple, multiple offers right now. But uh, your comment on rate and affordability, um, you know, a great easy rule of thumb, I think, for the listeners is that for about every percentage point increase in rate, 
right? A buyer loses 10% purchasing power. So if the rate, you know, when it went from 6 to 7%, right? If I could afford a $350,000 home, right? At the 6%, it goes to 7 that affected about 10% of my purchasing power. So I would then be looking with you for a home at about that 310 to 320 range. Okay. So, nice, simple little kind of rule of thumb. And then the same will go in reverse as I believe that we're going to start getting some downward pressure uh, on rates um, that if we go from, right, maybe somewhere in the high sevens down to the high sixes, again, a buyer can pick up that purchasing or as we so often hear right now, is the uh, adage of buy now, refinance later, right? If you can afford the mortgage now, right, buy now and refinance later. So then again, uh, a, a homeowner, right, would be able to drastically reduce their, pri uh, their mortgage, right, uh, when the rates start coming down. And this is why I enjoy listening to Welcome Home Radio. So I just picked something up from you that I'm going to use. So thank you for letting me steal this from you. Yeah, but I love rule of thumbs, you know, because it allows you as you're working with a buyer or a seller to give them a ballpark figure. So I like what you just said. For every 1% rise or drop, it's about a 10% difference in the payment. Correct. Or, or purchasing power purchasing is what you power. said. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, very good. And recently, rates have dropped. Yes. So, and, and here's what we're seeing. There's, there's this dance, and some people use this matrix more than others. But I, again, I think it kind of falls into that rule of thumb, right? If we look at the interest rate on the 10-year treasury, right? And we're, we're seeing it right now at, a all -time, at an all-time high, Right? And there's typically this dance between the 10-year treasury and a 30-year mortgage. And what we've seen historically is about a 1.7% spread between the 10-year and mortgage rates. Uh, again, we'll stick with the 30-year mortgage, which would mean we should be somewhere in the mid to high sixes right now, but we're above that. Right. So we are starting to see some downward pressure. So if the average over the last, I believe it's 40 or 50 years, has been like 1.7, and we've now been about 2.5, 2.8 percentage points higher than the 10-year. Now we're seeing some downward pressure on the 10-year, so we're thinking that we're going to see some downward pressure on rates. I'll give you a really good example as well. Um, if you'll recall, earlier this year, about January, we saw a downward pressure on the Treasury rates. Uh, I think the Treasury went from about 4.4 to maybe 3.4, for 4.3 to 3.4. Uh, we saw the rates go down to about 5.99 for a month or two, and that spurred a ton of activity. It's really the activity that brought all of our prices back up to the high point of the, of the summer of uh, 2022. Okay, that, that is a good explanation. And it, and it kind of explains, too, why th this n next statistic I'm going to throw out there it explains, it explains it. And that is, I said we had a little over 1,000 active listings. We have 750 pending escrows. Now, that's not of the 1,000. That's plus the 1,000. So 
um, that still shows a healthy market. Yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely. If we uh, look at uh, pendings and sales, uh, we've been uh, very consistent and um, a little bit less uh, on the sales side, the closed escrows, compared to a year ago. But again, that's just indicative of what we and what buyers have been dealing with uh, with interest rate. Mm-hmm. And as far as the median sold price, this uh, – and I, I ran statistics from January 1st through the other day. So the middle of November. It's right at 400000 In 2021, well, I should say in 2022, it was 400000 also. So prices have remained the same in the past year. But for the same time period in 2021, it was 358000 so there is equity growth there for anybody who did buy. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I think nationally they are um, um, uh, expecting about a three and a half percentage point increase in appreciation overall nationally. And I think we're gonna be right about there in our uh, local market. Again, this will be you know Tulare up through Merced County, mm-hmm. right? Um, with those same numbers, a few different little hot spots. Uh, Hanford always seems to be, um, um, I'll say the healthiest. We see the, the least amount of um, uh, spikes and dips in the Hanford market. But overall, I think we're gonna see that appreciation be somewhere between three to 5% this year. I can see Hanford being the healthiest because with all that good ice cream they have there at <laughs> Superior I- Dairy, that's what makes it healthy. <laughs> With that thought, we're going to our first commercial break. Stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio with us today is Patrick Connor, the president <coughs> excuse me, of London Properties and Royal Charter Mortgage and uh, Port Royal Insurance, and what else do you do? <laughs> oh, you're a guest on a radio talk show. That's right, that's right. Got and this is, this is probably where you excel the most. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> All right, because you're able to bring your massive amounts of experience and share them with people, and wow. that's something realtors like to do. That's right, thanks for All having right. me. And by the way, if you could see his red, embarrassed face right now, it'd be perfect. <laughs> hey, by the way, you come from a family of realtors. Right. Can you tell us the history of the Connor family? Oh, uh, well, in a nutshell, uh, my parents moved to uh, the Fresno uh, area in 1966. And my dad got his real estate license in 67 worked for a gentleman named Armand Boyage and at Harold Realty down on Olive. And then in the, the castle, seven, the, yeah, the old castle. And then in, um, 72, um, started London properties. And so he and my mom, um, just grew the brokerage from one salesperson, right. To, to where we are today. And that's uh, more than one or two. It's Three or four hundred. Yeah, we're uh, over three hundred and fifty sales associates and broker associates now, and locally owned. Yes, locally owned. Okay, and that's great. Um, 
Good thing about that too is if there's a problem, you know there's somebody here in the community that will help solve it. No, 100%. It makes a difference. Yeah. All right. Um, You know, in the previous segment, we talked about home prices and we started to talk about equity, but we didn't really get into it. Um, Tell us about a term that's out there called the average interest rate and rate lock and equity. How does all that fit in? Well, um, for years, I was saying that we were, were experiencing artificially low interest rates, right? You uh, must listen to Welcome Home Radio because <laughs> I use that one a lot. Yeah, and we should, right? <laughs> it's important uh, vocabulary. But with those art- artificially low rates, it, it obviously threw off a lot of benefit for homeowners. And uh, where we are right now is about 70.1% of all mortgages when they at least originated. You may have a comment about people that go to refinance, right? But if we were to look at mortgages, right, from what they were when they um, originated, uh, just over 70% are under 4%. Um, And so those are homeowners, right, that have a real reluctancy, right, to let go of that rate, right? And do the move up home if they're going to be looking at a seven, right? Seven and a half percent or some number, right? That's higher than that three to four. That's a good point. Why would somebody want to move when they have that really low rate? But I think we have a a reason why. But I also want to add to that. And that is when the rates were artificially held down so low, it allowed first time home buyers to skip the starter home. They could move right into that four-bedroom, three-bath because it was so affordable. Um, So maybe now they've had another baby or two, but they still don't have to move. Yeah, that's really, really a good point, right? Uh, They kind of leapfrogged, right, that that starter home. Um, But, well, and then it speaks, too, to the um, equity position, right, that I think people have uh, as well right now. Um, but, um, well, interesting, uh, on that, on, uh, on that point about 68%. So I think, uh, we figure about 65% of households are homeowners. Well, of that 65%, 68%, have at least 50% equity or own their own home free and clear outright. Um, and that is, um, uh, I think, really um, a benefit to the health, I think, of the overall real estate market. And it offer also throws off um, tremendous benefits for those that are looking to sell because of the equity that they have. I know a guy who um, he got a, his first home was at 12.5%. And um, then rates went up, but he still bought the next home and kept the old one because of the low interest rate of 12 and a half. This was me, by the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I bought a new one and kept the old one as a rental and still own them to this day. Yeah. And you know, the interest rate now is zero. 
beautiful, right? Yeah. Um, but that's exactly, I mean, what um, we see a lot of homeowners doing right now, Don, is um, if they can um, maybe pull out some of that equity, this would be good equity, right, that they're pulling out to help with the down payment on the next property. But um, uh, perhaps, right, they are able, right, uh, to uh, keep right, their current home, right, with a low interest rate and have it be a rental, right? And the income that's coming in from that would more than cover, right, their low mortgage at that artificially low rate, right? Right, right. And I like how you put that, good equity, pulling out good equity, because people have to be cautious. Um, good equity might, and maybe a good rule of thumb, is if the term of the new equity loan, let's say you get a second, home equity uh, loan or a home equity line of credit. Those two work differently. <clears throat> Let's say you do that and the term is 30 years, but you're going to spend that money that you pull out. And it's a long-term thing too. Like let's say you're going to put a new roof on that's good for 30 years. All right, that matches. Let's say you're going to pay off a car loan with a 8% interest rate. All right, probably not so good because how many cars are you going to own in the next 30 years? Right, such a good point. And that would be math that does not math, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And once again, I know a guy who did that, uh, borrowed money on equity in a home to buy a new car, pay cash for it. Uh, yes, it was me, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and after I sold the car, I'm thinking, darn, I'm still paying on this thing. Right? Yeah. Great point, right? There's lenders out there that might not want to hear this conversation, but truly, I think people who are homeowners right, really need to take a look at right, that equity and uh, don't trade good equity for bad. Yeah, good point. Um, and that was one of the problems back in 2006, 7, 8, where people used up their equity when prices did fall um, temporarily. They were temporarily underwater. Remember, we that was a big term back then, underwater? Absolutely. We haven't heard it in a while. No. no. Again, have, households have so much equity right now. And one segment that is benefiting the most from this are the older baby boomers who have uh, paid off their home, own their home free and clear, right? So when we talk about inventory dynamics in the market right now, who um, out there, right, can really benefit from this market? And, and that would be the older baby boomers. They, oh, it's time to downsize, right? They raised their family in the big four bedroom, five bedroom, right? They still have high utility bills, right? Maybe they haven't put solar on. They've, they've got some deferred things that need to happen to the property, perhaps, like you said, a new 30-year roof, right? But to sell now in this market, take that equity, they can pay cash, right, for that smaller property that they want to scale down, you know, into and slash, right, their expenses, their overhead, their maintenance, right, their utilities, and, um, and they do not care about where the rate is right now because, again, they're paying cash. So I'm going to ask you a question that you're probably, it's one of the more difficult questions today in, the, in this market. 
you're probably going to be mad at me for, you know, throwing a curveball at you. But how does that baby boomer who owns that house free and clear sell the home, buy something else all at the same time? We call it a concurrent closing. Uh, that's a little bit tough to do. Uh, it it can be, but lenders also have access to uh, what, what we call a bridge loan, right? And we have seen more and more bridge loans in this market for that very reason. I think taking advantage of all that equity, right, being able to purchase the new home, have that short gap, and then right, sell the existing property. All right. You had that answer right off the top of your head, so I don't think you're going to be mad at me after all. <laughs> all right. Um, who, who are the player, who are the candidates to move right now? Um, we just mentioned that baby boomer that, uh, what other groups are good candidates to make a move right now? Well, one thing we're, have also seen in the last couple of years, I think the pandemic really, uh, started. Uh, the wheels uh, t turning on this, and that's multi-generational living. So um, I believe the number I, uh, was about 11% of transactions in 2021 were multi-generational transactions. That went up to 14%. So again, that's over 25% increase, 14% in 2022. And um, they're seeing yet another increase uh, in that this year. So again, maybe the, um, the parent, the older generation, again, has that equity, right? Mm -hmm. And they're able to put down enough on a larger property that you know, has uh, separate living quarters or an ADU, right? An accessory dwelling unit and, um, and uh, lower, right? The overall cost for everybody. So I think multi-generational living and people taking a look at that is another segment. You know, that, that does bring out a, a good opportunity. You have the older, the, the, the parents that probably have equity that they can put a large down payment down. You got the working kids that have the income to qualify for the loan. And then you got the grandkids that the older parents can babysit during the day right. while the others are, are working. <laughs> right. No. So look, look at the social impact there. Yeah. Now, now the grandkids can be raised by family members, not just uh, somebody at some daycare. 100 percent. And Fannie Mae um, has also um, announced some, you know, change with their guidelines. Where traditionally on a multi-unit, so let's say we talk multi-unit, um, let's keep it from one to um, or two to uh, four units, right? So a duplex, a triplex, a, but Historically, a buyer would have to put down 15 to 20 percent uh, on a multi-unit with a Fannie, and they've reduced that down to 5 percent. So this is also allowing a segment to come in, and maybe somebody wants to um, have their first investment property live in one of the units, right, mm -hmm. and um, be able to enter that market with uh, uh, less amount down. And to me, when I hear this, more importantly than going from 10% to 5% is the fact that the big powers that be, the ones that make the, the lending decisions, they're recognizing this new type of, of ownership. Yes. Sharing. Yes. 
You know, we used to have renting and buying only. Now it's renting, buying, and sharing. Right. And one thing, too, uh, we didn't touch on with interest rate and people that um, uh, may own their own home outright, right, is the ability to do seller financing, right? Mm -hmm. So people, are, you know, maybe they don't need to pull that, uh, all that cash out, and they know that the treasury is going to be going down. They, <coughs> excuse me, they love getting the 5% right now, right? Uh, maybe on a two-year, but um, they'd like to lock that in for a longer period, and maybe they can get 6%, right, or more on their money. When we get back from this next commercial break, I want to ask you more about seller financing. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, here in the studio with Patrick Connor, the president of London Properties. And we've been talking on some really good things. And I've picked up a few rule of thumbs from Patrick uh, that even I can use, So, and I know our listeners can use too. Let's go into something that we began to touch on in the last segment, and that would be seller financing. Can you give us a uh, definition of seller financing. Sure, uh, uh, Don. Um, and, and we'll try to uh, simplify this as much as we can, right? But the seller really needs to own their home free and clear, right? To, to be a player um, uh, in seller financing, or perhaps there's just a small um, amount left right on the on the payoff but say they only owe fifty thousand dollars they're able to come up with that amount right um to uh pay off their existing mortgage and now become the creditor right for uh, uh the buyer of the property but an advantage right for a seller is if the buyer is coming in with a large enough down payment to reduce their risk right so let's say they're selling a four hundred thousand dollar house if the buyer is able to come in you know with fifty to seventy five thousand dollars right it's a nice amount down and um, if the seller ever had to foreclose and take the property back right they will now have that little bit of cushion so that if the market has changed right if prices happen to have retreated right something they would um, at least have had the benefit of um, um, some cushion there from a large down payment and it'd be hard to imagine a buyer walking away from a $75,000 down payment exactly I mean if times got tough maybe they lost their job they got to go out and look for a new one they're probably going to spend a few more hours a day looking for a new job and new source of income than if they put no money down or 7500 as opposed to 75000 Right. And so let's say that this borrower, right, or the, um, the buyer, um, maybe they um, had a, uh, some, a ding on their credit, right? Something did happen. So they do have the cash. However, from a credit standpoint, maybe it puts them at a higher rate, right? And they say 8% with the bank. But a seller, right, may say, you know what? If I could get 6.5%, right, uh, on this, right, for a 10-year Right, and they don't have to pay off. They don't have to have the payment so high that it pays off the loan, 
right, in 10 years, but rather the payments can be structured uh, to be uh, the same that they would be on a 30-year note, right? Then there's a balloon payment, right, in 10 years, and or sooner if the buyer would like to refinance, right? Uh, maybe rates come back down into the sixes, right? Low, uh, you know, high fives. They say, you know what? We'd like to go, go ahead and pay off the seller. Uh, and so we're going to get a new loan, right, from the bank and pay off that. And now we're going to be locked in at uh, X percentage. But it's just a win-win. It can really help a buyer in a certain position, could maybe afford them a little lower rate than what they would get with the bank. And it gives the seller a great return um, on, uh, uh, on their cash. Yeah, I can see that. It's a win-win, but not all the time. There can be, what's the risk? Let, let's talk about the easy one first, the risk to the seller of doing seller financing? Right. Well, biggest risk is if the borrower does not, right, um, um, uh, make their payments, right? And a seller, in order to, right, claim, right, the property back, they've got to go through the foreclosure process. So they have to be willing to stomach that, right, to say, hey, you know, I've done that before, you know, I've done seller financing, I can stomach this, or, again, tell me more um, uh, about, uh, um, how to protect myself, and that would again be with a higher down payment. But there is some risk, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what's the difference in the risk if the seller carries a first trust deed or a second trust deed or a third trust deed? Uh, <laughs> um, well, we never like to see a seller get in a position of being second in line, right? Um, so, uh, or and not very often right now too will you have a bank who's willing to give a first right um, and knowing that there is a second right which in the uh, eyes of the bank right reduces their borrowers um, uh, i'll say health right <laughs> their ability to consistently pay on the first because they have this other obligation as well so um, we always like to see a seller be the first right and have that be the only uh, line of credit that's extended yeah and i think a important point to make is when we talk about our sellers we're not talking about fannie mae and freddie mac who are experienced sophisticated investors in the trust deed market so if they have to take one back they have a whole wow. team of asset managers uh, attorneys that, that can process this if you're an individual seller, keep it as simple and safe as possible. Yes. Be, be that first rather than a second and um, get, get a good down payment to where that buyer will not want to walk away. And in the event you do have to take it back, you've got, as Patrick said, some cushion. Right, right. Yeah, all right. Um, so seller financing is, is a real possibility there to um, get more people involved in the game of buying and selling. What, um, and some people don't realize that they can be part of the game. Um, who, who are those people that maybe should take notice and say, you know what, now is my market. Yeah, I, I think it, it really starts with um, a good lender, right? So you get good counseling um, 
from a realtor about the market, where we are in the market right now, and then getting into a lender to look at different products right, that are available. And um, more often than not, borrowers are, are surprised that, that loans are available with uh, less money down than they had uh, expected. Mm-hmm. All right. So a lender can show you how you can do it. A good realtor can show you what you can do with how, what you can, what you can afford. Absolutely. All right. Um, I've always said that there's four types of buyers out there. First is your first time buyer. Then there's your investors. And then there's your move ups or move downs. And then the last one is move ins or outs. That, that's moving in from Kentucky to Fresno or moving from Fresno to Kentucky. Um, and different markets seem to favor diff, uh, different types. And I'll give an example in 2010 uh, where Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were the biggest sellers of homes and they just wanted cash. They didn't want to fix the properties up. It was an advantage to the investor because they might have had cash where they can buy it and then fix it up at their own speed and then rent it out. Right. There were other markets where the first time buyer was predominant. What where do you think today's market is? Who who's in the the better position? I think the um people that are in the best position are those that are looking to buy a home for a home, right? As their as their um their property, their long-term investment. And we continue to see the spread between the wealth of renters versus homeowners. That spread continues to widen. What I mean by that is those that jump into uh, home ownership, right? After 20, 30 years, those are the families and households that have amassed the most wealth. So buying a home to have a home. That, right. And you know, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because on next week's show, we're going to have the winners of the Homewards Essay Contest here. And it's going to be the kids teaching the adults what a home is really all about. I, I was able to read some of them so far. Not one kid mentioned interest rates or uh, markets. Right. And they mentioned having their cousins over for the holidays. They mentioned safety and security yeah so what i hear you saying patrick is those buyers that buy for that reason are the real winners right and, and i always say home ownership is not going out of style right yeah i mean we people want right to own their home you know you have some good quotes um, <laughs> i might pick your brain a little more <laughs> all right uh, with that, we are going to go to our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940-KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio we have Mr. Patrick Connor of London Properties. And um, how long have you been in the business Oh, gosh. Uh, well, in the business since 92. I believe I was licensed in 90. So, yeah. All right. Over, over 30 years. Great. So you've seen a thing or two. And uh, 
and you're sharing your experiences here. Here's a real experience that's happening right now that two, three, four years ago, I would have thought, well, that's number 57 on the Richter scale, but it may be number one or two right now on the Richter scale, and that would be obtaining insurance for a home. Tell us what's going on in that market, because you are the president of Port Royal Insurance Company also. Correct. Um, yes, I mean, this is just, it, it's a huge topic, so we'll try to squeeze in as much as we can for the uh, listeners in a, in a short amount of time. But I'd like to maybe double back to one thing we were just talking about, which is inventory, and um, who are good candidates for selling right now? And I think people that do own an older home right now that does have some deferred maintenance, or let's say it has a 25-year shake roof, right? Yeah, th these are people that should really be looking at, right, selling their properties now, right, uh, before they have to put that work into upgrading the electrical, upgrading the plumbing, uh, a new roof because they can't get insurance because it's an older shake roof. So um, there's another segment right there um, of both homeowners and investors that should take a look at their portfolio. And now could be a really um, ideal time to um, uh, list those uh, properties as well. But, uh, but you're right, Don. I mean, uh, insurance has moved to the top in terms of what we need to be considering um, for, um, well, for somebody to just be able to buy a home uh, and also then be able to afford, right, what the insurance is going to, is going to cost them. Um, I'm sure you've had some transactions where buyers thought that it would be real easy to get insurance and then you get down to the end and because there's an older home right uh, with things um, uh, that have not been uh, updated or perhaps the buyer even has a claim right in the last five years and where they are coming from right Those, their existing home where they may have put in a water claim right or even a fencing claim or a roof claim something in the last five years that can totally keep them from being able to obtain insurance on a new home yeah so the insurance carriers are becoming much more picky. 100%. And, you know, we saw a lot of headlines uh, here earlier this year about um, certain carriers that um, uh, either um, uh, paused or just stopped writing in California altogether. And we're going to see a few more before uh, everything shakes out. Mm-hmm. So just a few years ago, I remember we were getting ready to close an escrow and it's like, oh yeah, you gotta get insurance. An hour later, they had the insurance, we closed escrow the next day. It was that simple. Not the case anymore. That may be one of the first things you do as you enter into your escrow period. Absolutely. So we talked about the value of a great lender. I think it's really important to get with uh, a great insurance advisor early on, right, in the transaction, um, re really day one, right? You get an accepted offer. Let's find out about the insurability. And it's amazing what does pop up, just like a lender will see something pop up on credit, mm -hmm. right? The carriers, right, they know there's a database, right, a national database out there uh, in terms of tracking claims that people make. So even if they're, uh, let's say they're coming from, um, Sacramento, right? They may have had a small claim, 
right, on their home in Sacramento, but that will affect their purchase in Fresno, Clovis, right, or somewhere else. Or if they have a rental property, right, it could be in another city altogether, but if they've had a claim on that rental property, that too um, will show up and, um, I guess, lower, right, their... Um, uh, uh, their credibility, right, with mm -hmm. the carrier. Yeah, yeah. I had one earlier this year, uh, the lady moving back to California to be closer to uh, her her grandkids. Well, her kids too, probably, but mainly the grandkids. Um, she had trouble getting insurance because she had a claim back in Florida yep. from a hurricane, and it was water-related and... Um, and wouldn't you know, the home she was buying, they had a water claim too a few years ago for, from a broken water heater. The two put together made it very difficult to get insurance. Right, because the existing home, as you said, if they had a water claim, let's say three years ago, well, the carrier, right, any new carrier is still worried about lingering, lingering mold issues. Right, things that could be a defect in the property because of that. So you really get it from both sides uh, right now uh, as a as a buyer. Mm -hmm. How about insurance rates? I almost said interest rates because oh. that used to be forefront. Now insurance rates uh, are they being impacted, raised, or? Dropping. They are definitely being impacted. Uh, I happen to be aware of uh, one just in the last couple of weeks where the renewal went up 57%. And I believe the homeowner was expecting maybe a 20 to you know 25% increase just hearing what they have in the marketplace. But I believe their spouse um, no longer was in the teaching profession and this carrier had a you know, small discount for occupation and teacher was one of those occupations. So between losing that discount and now just having an older home, mm -hmm. right, with upgrades that um, um, as a homeowner, you think hey, I take great care of my home. Why do I need to uh, upgrade the plumbing or the electrical, right? I moved in here in 90 and it's, it's a great home, right? But um, uh, little things like that can tip the scale uh, with uh, with the carrier, so rates are definitely going up. And on that note, um, again, when we say um, homeowners should be talking to the realtor about advice in the market, I would say talk to your insurance agent right about any claim before making a claim. So again, we've some people their fence blows down in a huge storm. It's a forty-seven hundred dollar expense, right? That's not chump change, right? But they do not want to turn in that claim, right? Work it out with your neighbor, right? Fix the fence yourself, and at all costs avoid those smaller claims. And look at your policy in terms of raising deductibles doing some different things to help offset what we're talking about with an increase in premium. There may be some coverages that um, could be dropped or, um, again, increase the deductible uh, to help out. Okay, excellent advice. That really was. Now, we just have a couple of minutes left in the show, so I want to ask Patrick Connor, what do you want our listeners to remember most about our discussion today? Oh, 
gosh, uh, trying to think your where, name, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, London Properties. Um, but um, I think just the value of home ownership, you really hit on it for me. Um, I, I was so tore up in uh, that 210, 211, 212 market where all the foreclosures had come right to the market and the people that were losing their homes, right? The kids that had experienced home ownership for the last two or three years, they had a pool, they were able to walk to school, right? They had their friends over, like you said. And I just remember going through that foreclosure market and seeing people lose their homes, right? Because yeah. loans were made that never should have been made, right? So uh, it, to <clears throat> me, it just, it goes back to home ownership. There are ways to acquire home ownership. There's still good lending that is out there, right? We do have good inventory overall. So despite a lot of dynamics, I'm just such a, um, a proponent for home ownership. And I'd like to add to that too, that uh, during that foreclosure era, prior, just prior to that was our society's first run at online lending. Hmm. So people would go online and say, oh, I could click here, click there, and get this new interest rate of 1%, they thought. <laughs> but there was no loan officer, local loan officer directly involved. In fact, I remember the loan officers I dealt with saying, oh, no, I, I won't do that 1% option arm because it's toxic. Yep. And they didn't do them because, well, they're part of the community. So once again, what I would like people to remember is find that good team member, your good insurance agent, your good lender, your good realtor, work with them as a team and be able to talk to them, not just text or click. Um, communicate with them yeah with a local professional right exactly well patrick i want to thank you for coming in today you were great as expected and um, thank you to all our listeners we'll be back again next week remember we're learning from the kids thank you <laughs>